Welcome to Telford Elim Sunday Podcast. We are so glad you could join us. To keep up to date with all that's going on, please go to telfordelim.com. I do hope you enjoy today's talk. So this morning I wanted to speak about Zacchaeus. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben, in case you haven't been for a while, but uh, I'm the Youth and Young Adults Pastor here, and, and it's really felt like God put this word on my heart for us this morning. And uh, I've, I've named today, today's talk, God's Not Fair, He's Better. And I will unpack this a little bit, because it sounds a bit strange for me to say God's not fair. But actually, I want to start off with a story, right? I have a, I have a younger sister, her name, her name is Naomi. She is 27 or 28, I don't know. She's one of those ages. <laughs> um, but um, she uh, is affectionately known to me and my brother as Golden Girl. Okay, now the reason she is known as Golden Girl is because she's the youngest in the family, she's the girl, and she is my dad's Golden Girl. Okay, so me and my brother love to call her Golden Girl and wind her up. And actually, she is, no doubt, the favorite in our family, right? Now, I'm not going to ask you parents who your favorite kid is. I'm not going to cause those arguments. <laughs> but uh, we, we my, my sister, she, she gets looked after really well by my parents. And some of you might say, ah, oh, but it's just that my mum and dad just think we can fend for ourselves, me and my brother. And um, I used to always think when I was a teenager, that's not fair. That whenever she asks for something, she gets it. Whenever I ask for something, it's like you can have it in your birthday. You can have it for Christmas, right? <laughs> so uh, so but she, if she asked for something, she needed a, a pair of straighteners. You could guarantee the week after she'd have a pair of straighteners. If I wanted something that it was like I'd wait months before I'd get it or I'd have to save up my pocket money or I'd work a job or something like that. And, and so, yeah, I used to kind of, in that, especially as a teenager, but that's not fair. She gets everything she wanted and me and my brother just kind of, we have to share each other's clothes and all that kind of stuff, being brothers. And, um, and it used to kind of have this sense of injustice. And has anyone ever said that? That's not fair. If, you, if you're not nodding right now, you are lying and I know it. <laughs> okay? So that's not fair. And actually, there's this sense. I was I was meeting with uh, somebody I, I respect, a uh, man of faith, uh, at the beginning of this week, and he said to me, "You know what, Ben? God is not fair. He's better than fair." He said to me, "Because you know what? Even when you make a mistake, the door's still open, and that isn't fair. But he, the door always stays open, because we think that if we just do the right thing all the time, that that like that's the fair thing. But actually, when we make a mistake, the, the door is still open for us. The door never shuts." Because God is always bringing us back. Obviously, we have to do that through, through repentance and through saying sorry. But actually, the door is always open to God. And I just think, you know what, it's amazing. It stuck with me from my conversation. I just thought, you know what, I need to, I need to bring that word to us this morning. So I'm going to read from Luke, Luke chapter 19. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, 
I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. You see, what strikes me in this story is that Zacchaeus, he is a tax collector, right? Now, nobody likes the tax collectors in the Bible. In every other uh, area of Scripture, the tax collectors are spoken of badly. And this is the only time that we find in Scripture where suddenly there's a tax collector and it is through the eyes of Jesus that is spoken of in a positive light. And actually, the first thing I noticed about this passage was, was actually not that he was a tax collector, it was that he was too short. This says Zacchaeus was too short. It says this exactly, it says, he, he could not see Jesus be, but because he was short and he could not see over the crowd. Has anyone ever been to a concert before? Now, for some of you tall people, Barry, I'm sure you've never had this problem, but I, I, when I, if I ever go to a concert, I can't see the stage. You know, there's always some six-foot guy who stands in front of me and like this for most of the, for the gig trying to see around him and your neck's jolted and all that kind of thing. And, and I kind of get this idea that he's in, he's in a big crowd and he's this short guy and he's just desperate to get a look of Jesus. Why is this tax that they're trying to see Jesus? What is he trying to see in Jesus? And he's, but he's desperate to get a, a look in. And so he did what? What any one who just is desperate to do to see someone is he, he climbed a tree like a, a boy he, he climbed up the tree or a girl just just climbed high up into that tree and it, he he got creative because he knew where Jesus was going he, he he saw that he was on a path somewhere so he walked ahead and he climbed up that tree probably before anybody else could climb the tree and so he could have a good perspective of what was about to happen he probably actually had the best view Interesting, isn't it? He climbed a tree and probably had the best view. I don't know if any of you saw the pictures of Liverpool after their Champions League win, but straight after their Champions League win in football, they had a homecoming, right? And uh, there was a, a picture that I saw, and there was, like, Liverpool is a bit mental where I'm from sometimes, right? And the people there are also a bit mental sometimes. And especially when a football team wins a cup, then it's doubly mental. And so all the people were like on top of bus stops. They were on top of lampposts, believe it or not. They climbed to the top of the lamppost. There was kids sat on top of lampposts. There was millions of people in the street, and I mean millions. And actually, I even spoke to um, Rebecca Burke, Leslie's daughter, and she said there was people on the scaffolding of the buildings. They climbed up onto scaffolding, and the police couldn't even get them down. There was people everywhere. And I just get the sense that, you know, that, that they were just trying to get a glimpse of the team bus, but actually this is, it's a, gives us a great idea of actually that Zacchaeus is just in a crowd, and he's desperate to get a view of Jesus. He's desperate to see him, and so he does everything he can. He climbs a tree to get to view him. And so it, it, it challenges me because actually, you know, he did that physically, but what do I do spiritually? What do I do in my life to get a view of Jesus? What do I do in my life to actually get that perspective where I can see what Jesus is doing? What have I put in place in my life so that I can get a glimpse of Jesus? Because that's what he wanted. He wanted the glimpse of Jesus. I want a glimpse of Jesus in my life every single day. I want more of a glimpse. I want an embrace with Jesus every day. And so, what are we doing? Are we in his word? 
Are we in his word? Are we getting a glimpse of Jesus through his word? Are we in prayer each day? Are we praying for that glimpse of Jesus? Are we listening for his voice as well? Are we studying? Are we, are we involved? Are we present? What are we doing to get that glimpse of Jesus, to get that perspective where we can see Jesus? Are we climbing that tree spiritually? Like Zacchaeus. To get that glimpse of Jesus. You see, some of us are short physically, but some of us are spiritually short. What I mean by that, sometimes, some of us think, you know what, I'm too short. He could have just gone home. He said, you know what, the crowd's too big. I'm too short, I can't see anything anyway, let's go home. But he didn't. And I think sometimes we need to learn in our faith a bit of perseverance. To not give up at the first hurdle. To not give up because we feel too small. That we feel our, our, we don't feel like we've got enough faith. But actually that, that, you know what, that little bit of faith, that, that mustard seed faith. You know what, just climb a tree with your faith. Get a perspective with your faith. Get a glimpse of Jesus. When you see Jesus, your faith will rise. That small mustard seed will suddenly feel like giant faith when you get that glimpse of Jesus. Are you with me this morning, church? Good. There's something else that stuck out to me in this passage, right? And this bit's challenging, so I hope you go with me on this. And it says this. Jesus said to him, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house. And so Zacchaeus came down and he welcomed him gladly. But this next verse... Oh, this next verse is just so important. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Oh. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How dare he? They're talking about Jesus here. Do you know what they're saying to each other? That's not fair. Why has he not called me? I've been following in his ways. I've been trying to do my best for God. I've been trying to do everything. I've been doing the sacrifices. Why has he chosen the tax collector? He's made the wealth off all of our taxes unfairly. Muttering. It might sound like this. Have you seen what she's been doing? Have you heard about so-and-so? Have you heard of who Jesus was hanging around with? It's interesting when we put it in our own language, isn't it? Have you heard who Jesus was hanging around with? Did you see who he was with? Did you see him with that prostitute? Did you see him with that kid in Telford? Did you see him with that homeless woman who takes drugs in Telford? Suddenly very, very interesting, isn't it? The thing is, we think that the people muttered in this moment were the world around us. But the truth is, it was likely us. It was very likely us, the religious ones, causing the noise. That's a challenge, isn't it? I worry sometimes that we are very good at making noise. I worry sometimes that we're good at making noise about the issues in our world. And noise is okay as long as the noise is followed by an action. 
But if we just make noise for noise sake, then we're getting something wrong. Because we're often good at the noise, but not good at the action. We're not good at bringing a solution. We're good at pointing out problems. But we're not good at solutions. And the solution might be simple. It might just be that we need to direct people to Jesus. Have we ever thought about that? And how we do that? No, I was thinking about this. I used to work in a school um, for three years I worked in a school and there was three uh, male staff on the teaching assistance team and there was 21 females okay so we were we were highly outnumbered by the female staff and and amongst those those female staff members there was one or two gossipers and um and amongst the male staff as well in the school but this was just in, in my department particularly and you know what got me thinking no one wants to talk to the office gossiper do they in your workplaces or in your schools or wherever you do as a job, nobody wants to talk to the office gossiper because you don't, you don't want to talk anything personal to them. The only time that you talk to the gossiper is if you want everybody to know something. Sometimes we find it in churches. If you want information to spread amongst churches, just find the person with the biggest mouth. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, it's probably you, sorry. But often we, we if we want news out there, we, we find that a way of getting there and I was reading this book this week by Oswald Chambers and I hadn't picked up this book in a long time and do you know when something just smacks your heart and you go ow you're like oh that's challenging and he said this this morning in the book as I was reading it it says as a preacher our words often boomerang back at us when we preach about being a people of peace and patience it's oftentimes the spirit says to us what about you And I was like, ouch. But it is so true. Because the Bible tells us that our words have power, doesn't it? It says this in Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You see, our words really do boomerang back around at us sometimes. And actually, when they boomerang back around, they often hit us smack bang in the middle of the head. What do I mean by that? I mean this, have you ever experienced it when you told a little white lie? I love this term, little white lie. You told maybe a little lie, and then somebody asked you about it, so you told another lie to cover up the little white lie that you told. And then somebody else said something, or they've said something to somebody else, and then you have to tell another lie to cover up the original little white lie that you told. And then before you know it, that little white lie that you told at the beginning has suddenly become something ten times the size of what you ever meant it to be and it comes smacking bang at you like a boomerang. And you think, how did this happen? This wasn't what I meant to do. This wasn't what I meant. See, our words have power. And I think that we need to stop being mutterers. I'm not saying that all of us are mutterers. I actually think that as a church generally here, we are, we're not really mutterers. But I actually think there's still always an element of us that could stop just muttering. It says this in Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How much less would we speak if we just spoke when we needed to speak? 
You see, I used to be part of uh, <laughs> many jobs in my time, but I used to work also in, in primary schools as well uh, for a, um, a social enterprise called Rock Kids, which was teaching kids positive uh, Christian values through rock music. And one of the things we used to say to the young people each week was this, if you can't say something good, then don't say nothing at all. It's one of the lyrics in one of the songs we used to teach the kids. If you can't say something good to me, then don't say nothing at all. And I think there's so much truth in that. That sometimes, you know, we need to follow the words in Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. God, help me say the words that benefit those who need, need it that benefit those who listen. So here we have Zacchaeus. And there's the crowd muttering because he's a tax collector. But I love what happens here. I love what happens next. It's so God. You see, Zacchaeus is this tax collector and Jesus has said to him, come down, I need to go to your house. That's where I'm going to go stay. And as Zacchaeus came down, he welcomed him gladly. Comes down out the tree, and he says he welcomed Jesus gladly. You know, he'd done everything to get a glimpse of Jesus. He got up in that tree. He had no idea that Jesus was about to call him out personally. And Jesus called his name, he said, I need to stay at your house. And he probably thought to himself in that second, there must be somebody else called Zacchaeus in this crowd. Can't be me. I'm the tax collector. Nobody likes me. Especially Jesus. But actually Jesus says, you, in the tree, come down, I'm staying at your house. Ignore the crowd. I'm staying at your house. is phenomenal because it was a reminder that I and I truly believe that Jesus still transforms lives today if we lose that truth there is no point in meeting here every single Sunday right if we lose the truth that Jesus still transforms lives in 2019 and will transform lives then we have lost we have lost something of us because actually every single one of us in this room has been transformed by Jesus You see, in his culture, Zacchaeus would be regarded totally negatively because his wealth was extorted from fellow Jews on behalf of the occupying Roman Empire. What makes me excited about this next bit is, is, is this, right? Nobody told him what to do. Nobody told the tax sector what to do. Not even Jesus told him what to do next. He was right there in this moment. It was a response out of his own heart. It was a response after meeting the Savior Jesus. You see, we often think rich people, right? Because this is a rich man. Let's not forget, he's a tax collector. He's a rich man. He's a wealthy man. He's extorted money from his fellow Jews. And we often think about the rich man who Jesus says, go and sell everything. We often think about that story when we think about rich people, don't we? He says, go and sell everything. But he doesn't sell everything in this story. It's really interesting. He does not have to sell everything to receive Jesus because his heart is in the right place, you see. The problem with the rich man that Jesus spoke to 
in another was that his, his whole identity was in his possessions. This guy's identity isn't in the possessions. This guy wants to know Jesus above everything else. So Zacchaeus, you know, nobody had told him what to do next. And what is fascinating about this is that when people meet Jesus, right, you can tell. You can tell when people meet Jesus because when they meet Jesus, they have a spiritual heart transplant. When we meet with Jesus, we are marked by him. When you met with Jesus, you are marked by him. You were changed forever. Nothing was ever going to be the same again. When I met with Jesus in a field up near Keswick, when I was 18 years old, everything changed. And let me tell you, I was surprised as anybody. Because I didn't go there for Jesus, I went there for football. I went there because all my friends were going to play football for the week and I thought it'd be a great place to go play football for the week. Jesus had other ideas. The very first night I got there, I was marked by Jesus. I listened to a cheesy American video about the Father's love letter and it broke me. Jesus will use anything to get you. And it was a moment in my life that I no changed everything because I went home after that youth camp and I'm so excited because we're going on to Limitless Festival next week and I know that our young people are going to come back marked young people I hope you're preparing hope you're ready because God's going to mark you this week or next week and declaring that I'm praying for you that you're going to meet with God because when you meet with him you're marked and you're never the same again and I went back home and I was never the same again my friends were like, what is going on, Ben? What's happened? My family were even a bit confused. And they were Christians. <laughs> Something had changed inside of me in that moment. You see, when we meet with Jesus, we respond differently to the situations we find ourselves in. And Jesus changes us from the inside out, doesn't he? He starts on our heart. He starts, then we start transforming it's renewing of our minds. We start thinking what God like thoughts about ourselves, about the people around us. And the best thing about this is he never ever stops. Because we all need more of Jesus, right? Thank God he never stops. He doesn't forget about us. You see, the response of Zacchaeus is this he says this look Lord here and now I give away half my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything I will pay them back four times the amount and Jesus says to him today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, his response was out of his heart. 
It wasn't what Jesus had told him to do. It wasn't what anybody else had told him to do. His response was, I'm going to give half my possessions away to the poor. And anybody that I've cheated, I'm going to give four times as much away. And you know what? After he did that, he was still rich. But his heart wasn't about his riches. His heart was about Jesus. You see... Jesus changes us from the inside out. He changed Zacchaeus from the inside out in that moment. And you know, this isn't just about being morally good people. I think this is important to say. It's not just about following Jesus isn't about being morally good people. There's lots of great moral people who don't follow Jesus. It's true. There's lots of great people who do some great work in our world who don't follow Jesus yet. It's about being spiritually moral. See, we can be moral on the outside, but actually not moral on the inside. Because we don't know Jesus, we don't know God, He hasn't given us that encounter we haven't pursued that encounter with him yet. You see, Jesus is about the day-to-day transformation of our lives to make us more like him. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is about the day-to-day transformation of our lives to make us more like him. I feel like we should be a bit more excited about that. Thank you, Jesus, that you are transforming me day in, day out. Because boy, do I need it, God. Don't think because I'm on this platform that I don't need Jesus. I've been called to this place, but I need him more and more every single day. You know, it's about pursuing Jesus with all that we have and letting him change us. You see, he's not going to just change us if we don't want him to. We give him permission to change us from the inside out, don't we? Sometimes he will just invade you. <laughs> Sometimes he's just like, I'm coming for you no matter what. I'm going to change that in you because you need to change that. But other times we have to say, God, come and change me. God, I know that this area isn't right in my life. Can you help me? Can you transform this area in my life? God, I know I lose my rag a little bit too much with my wife, with my husband with my brother, with my sister. Can you come and transform me? Can you help me be a bit more patient with my kids? Parents? It's a prayer I pray on a, on a daily basis. <laughs> God, give me patience. Now, I didn't want to just speak this morning without us responding together. So can we all stand together? Is that Okay. This has been a good word this morning, church. I hope something has hit home this morning about this. Do we have anybody on prayer team this morning? If not, it's okay. You see, some of us need to get a different perspective. Some of us this morning need to climb that tree spiritually.
so that we can get a glimpse of Jesus again. Some of us have got lost in our lives, got lost in the crowd, and Jesus has been calling our name, and we need to get up in that tree and see him and hear him calling our name. Some of us are convicted mutterers. Some of us know that we just mutter a little bit too much, probably speak a little bit too much, and we need just Jesus to come and help us. Come and help us be people of action. And some of us just need to remember that Jesus transforms us from the inside out. And he doesn't just transform us, but he transforms our friends, transforms our families, he transforms our communities, he transforms Telford, he transforms Shropshire, he transforms our nation, he transforms our world. From the inside out, one by one, little by little, sometimes big by big. And so if you feel like any of those things just are you this morning, I just want to encourage you, I'm just going to leave a minute's silence. I just encourage you in this minute just to just to pray. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to let anybody know what you're praying. You just have to pray in your mind for the next minute. We thank you, Jesus, that you are in the business of transforming lives. You are transforming our life, our life, and the lives of those around us, day in, day out, God. Father, we say, come and transform me. Come and transform us. Holy Spirit, come. Help us get a different perspective in our situations. Help us spiritually climb those trees, God. Help us hear your voice more clearly than ever in this next season. Help us know your whisper and your roar. Father, help us when we feel like we just sometimes talk too much and mutter too much and gossip too much. And Father, help us just to know how to use our words effectively and powerfully, God. And Father, help us to remember day in, day out that you are transforming us. That Father, when we feel low and down and out, Father, that you're still transforming us, God that you're calling us higher every single day. You're calling us closer to you. You're calling us to embrace with you, God. So, Father, as we finish today, Father, I pray this would be a moment for many people where they remember that they have been marked by you. Father, you haven't forgotten about anybody. And Father, we just say, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come afresh in our lives. Fill us anew. Fill us to overflow. We need more and more of you, day in, day out. And Father, we say, use us as well. Use us for your glory. Use us tomorrow in our jobs. Use us tomorrow, whatever we're doing, God, in our 
just time together as families, Father, in these summer holidays or whatever, Father, just use us, God. Use us for our neighbours, use us for our communities, use us in any way that that we need to be used, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Telford Elim's Sunday podcast. To keep up to date, go to telfordelim.com or find us on social media.